0: Hello, and welcome to Sundays at Coastal. This week, Pastor Andy Rock preaches a sermon titled, Be Honest, Ask for Prayer, from James chapter 5. James writes to Christians about others in the church who wander from the truth. Lost people in the woods don't get unlost by themselves. They need to be found. Make the choice to accept your limitations. Allow God and good friends into your pain, needs, failures, and your issues. You'll find healing and connection you'll discover more of the kingdom of God. When, when, when Joe's gone, we have fun. Uh,
1: well, good morning, everyone. We're so glad that you're here this morning. Welcome. If you are new or visiting with us, we're so happy you're here. It's uh, no small thing to walk into a church for the first time. And I know uh, we've had some people who've been a part of the church for a long time. They came back uh, after being away from COVID and they said, um, who are all these people? <laughs> Uh, so just know that when you look around, um, nobody else knows anybody else as well. Uh, so we're trying to get together and, uh, and grow together, uh, whether it's men's ministry or women's ministry uh, or going to Alpha. I really encourage you, if you've never done Alpha before, it is an incredible time to get to know each other, but also just explore your faith in ways that you've never, uh, might have never done before. It's a remarkable uh, 10-week experience. Um, So we do this every single week as a church, and we remind ourselves of what we believe in. We are not led by a personality. We are led by a vision, and that vision comes from Isaiah 61. And that vision is this, that uh, the Lord has anointed all of us to proclaim his good news with his Holy Spirit, and he calls us to bind up the brokenhearted, to set the captives free. And therefore, there is always hope beyond our brokenness. Amen. Amen? Goes on in Isaiah to say that we will become oaks, like that we oaks of righteousness, where our roots will run deep, deep, deep into the heart of God. And you and I get to learn how to trust our risen Savior together. It, trusting God is the best and most awesome roller coaster in all the world. Sometimes it's absolutely terrifying. But trust literally is us saying, I'm putting the weight of my soul in your hands, Jesus. What's next? You lead me, not my will, not my kingdom, but your kingdom, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? Amen. And then finally, we get to set the captives free. And we do this as we bring restoration to our church. So David's going to bring restoration this week as he gives away money to someone who doesn't go to our church in Jesus' name. And they will be reminded that they are loved. And every single week when we hear the change for a dollar stories, when we hear of your generosity and your kindness and your forgiveness, when we hear what happens in all the different events in our church, we literally see people get set free and get healed physically and emotionally and spiritually. And that's what we do as a church. And by the way, David doesn't have a seminary degree. David hasn't been here for 25 years and has been an elder and a deacon. Mm -hmm. So change for a dollar is our reminder to you that God wants to use you right now, just as you are. You don't wait. Don't wait. So each week, we declare our choice to follow Jesus, and that word, I choose, weighs 10,000 pounds in our faith. It is your choice. It's not your intention, it's your decision, and it comes with an action. So let's declare our faith once again in our choice to follow Jesus. Will you do this with me? And if you're online, yell it out too. Today I choose to be changed by Jesus. I choose to seek Jesus first. I choose to join Jesus in His resurrection work. Amen? So can I have permission to speak to your heart of hearts? Because today's the last week in the book of James. This is it. We're landing the plane here today. Uh, And if you've not been here for the book of James, let me just summarize all five chapters for you in about one minute and 48 seconds. Are you ready? Here it is. James wants, James is writing to a church that has lost everything and is completely scattered. And he's writing to this church wanting us to understand that what Jesus is inviting you to do is to, for you to join Jesus in his life. It's not so much that we invite Jesus into our heart. Yes, that's important. It's essential. It's our choice to have Jesus in us, in, inside, through us. But the larger story that we're in is that Jesus is inviting us into his kingdom, in his will, in his plan. So faith is listening to Jesus and then doing what he says. Listening and joining Jesus, we become the kind of people who ask for wisdom when everything is falling apart because we got no idea what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Amen? Amen. We become the kind of people who treat others the way that Jesus treats us. Jesus does not show you favoritism or take away his love based on how wealthy you are or how obedient you are. He loves you because he loves you, because he loves you, because he loves you. Jesus doesn't light our lives on fire with condemnation when we've messed up. Therefore, as people who love Jesus, we are to guard our tongues and not light each other on fire with him. We are called to build each other up, to encourage each other, to speak the truth, yes, in love. Listening and joining Jesus, we become the kind of person whose desires start changing, not for our self-ambition, that's my problem, Where we put ourselves first, but for God's kingdom, where we put other people first. And as we submit and surrender our lives to Jesus, the devil, he runs. Amen? Amen? Amen. Why? Because as we're advancing into literal hell, we live in California, (laughs) as we're advancing into literal hell, We are claiming people for his kingdom. We are picking wounded brothers and sisters up off the battlefield and healing them, restoring them. We stop tearing others down and we build them up and forgive. We stop using our tongues to burn others and we start using our tongues to build each other up. We become generous with what we have because we want to know and we want to live the reality that when you save one life, you save the whole world. Amen. So that's the first five chapters of James. <laughs> and yeah. it's, a, it's a great book. And again, following Jesus isn't about asking Jesus into our lives. I'm not, you, that's important. We say, yes, Jesus, come in. But again, it's about saying yes to join Jesus in his life. Does that make sense? It's not saying, Jesus, please join me in what I want to do and be my magical cosmic butler. (laughs) And I put the quarter in of in Jesus' name and pull the lever and I get out what I want. It's saying, God, what would you have me do today? What's your plan for me today? Last week, James told us that Jesus wants us connected with each other. That's what Zed said at the very end of leading an amazing worship set. And Jesus wants us connected together. Isolation is the number one tool that the enemy uses to drown our faith and hope and joy by severing that connection with each other and ultimately with God. And isolation is destroyed when we are generous with everything that we have, Our time, our energy, our attention, put your cell phone down, our money, when we're generous with that with the people that are around us, and when we're courageous enough to tell when we're in need. I need help. I don't know what to do with this heart wound. I don't know what to do with this project. I don't know what to do with this bill I can't pay. We're courageous enough to tell the truth, help, so generosity meets need, and the kingdom of God grows. So in his last message to the church, what do you think James is going to say? I tell you what he's going to say. Why why keep the suspense? You're here anyways. (laughs) He's going to double down on his message to end isolation and encourage us to be vulnerable, but he's going to come at it from a different angle. So first of all, James starts with a message that might not seem applicable, but I guarantee you at the end of the sermon, it'll all make sense. So would you read with me James chapter 5, starting in verse 12, and read loudly so that all the people that are sleeping outside can hear. Are you ready? Here it is. And since you know that he cares, let your language show it. Don't add words like, I swear to God, to your own words. Don't show your impatience by concocting oaths to hurry up God. Just say yes or no. Just say what is true. That way your language can't be used against you. What is James saying? It's real straightforward. Just say yes or no. Saying I promise to, I swear, I'll always, I'll never. That's the grammar of intentions. Intentions are nice, but they're meaningless without action. I often overpromise in my grammar because I want you to think that my intentions are great. But I haven't seriously considered what my yes means and whether or not I'm willing to actually do what yes would have me do. Does that make sense? I want you to think that I would. but I'm not ready to commit yet. And so I'll use the grammas of all promise or I, I, yes, I'll do that or for sure or oh, I swear I'll do, I'll be there. It takes courage and commitment to say yes. It also takes courage to say no. Why? Because if I say no, you might be mad or disappointed with me. But if I don't say no... If I soften the blow, you know what? I'm going to do my best to be there. Then I don't have to deal with your disappointment, and it's just a way of me manipulating you. Does that make sense? I'm trying to control your action by not just saying, no, I can't. I'm sorry. But more on this later. Are you ready? Here it is. James, now he's going to get right to the point of asking us to combat isolation through connection. Here it is, verse 13. Can you read with me? Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil. Lord, notice verse 13. James wants our connection with Jesus strong when we're in trouble. That's James 1. If you're in the middle of a storm, you don't have no idea what's going on, ask God for wisdom. He'll give it to you with generosity. When we're overjoyed, worship. Worship. Why? Because James wants us to avoid the pitfall of trying to deal with our problems on our own. You are not uniquely designed to handle all of your problems all by yourself. You are uniquely designed... You are uniquely designed to actually need others. He also wants us, when we're having success and everything's great, to worship. Why? Because he wants to remind us that all our successes aren't because I did 100% everything on my own. Literally, every breath that I have right now is because God allows it. In him I live and move and have my being. I'm sustained by God every second of the day. And thus verse 14 then pushes us even more out of our isolation. Why? Because you and I, as um, you know, Californians living on the Central Coast in 2023, we'll be like, you know what, if I got a problem, I'm just going to pray, I'm just going to worship throughout the day. That's good, James. I can handle that. I don't have to tell anybody anything ever. (laughs) Fine. That'd be great. I got no problems. I'm good. I escaped Bakersfield. I'm not in Fresno. I'm here. I no longer live in San Jose. It's all good. Yes, I can't afford the rent. I can barely eat, gas, even though we have the ConocoPhillips Station right there is the highest in the nation. I don't know why. It doesn't matter. I'm not in the Central Valley. I'm not in Los Angeles. All is well. Yes? Yes. Great, But verse 14 says, no, that's not a solution. If you're sick, what do you do? Call the elders. elders. And when you're sick, how do you look? Like a hot mess. Anybody else love to have people over to your house when you look a hot mess and everything is a hot mess in your house? The answer is no. Let's try that again. Anybody else? No. So I asked permission. She said, yes, Kathy, our minister of, of children and families. So Denise, our other, we have two ministers of children and families, Denise, who's on maternity leave, and Kathy, who's now, now filling in. And together they do an incredible job. But Kathy's walking her dog last week on the beach, and all of a sudden the dog takes off. The leash gets wrapped around her foot, and she gets literally flipped upside down. I don't know what it is, but she has a a horrible tear in her hamstring. It's black and blue. She can't sit. She can't lie down. She can't walk. She can't drive. And, of course, her 31-year-old daughter, Brittany, who's disabled, I mean, like, it is, oh, my gosh. Right? So I call her. Hey, Kathy, can we come pray for you? You're sick. We'll have the elders come. Kurt and I are elders. We'll come over. We'll anoint you. We'll pray for you. She's like, uh... She hadn't done her hair. She hadn't been able to take a shower. The house is a disaster, right? And I say to her, Kathy, I know that you, that everything's probably a hot mess right now. You have not painted your face. You have not done your hair. I don't care. Can we just come and pray for you?" And she goes, uh, <laughs> and she goes, okay. So we come by, the key, by the way, when someone's sick, do not stay long. (laughs) Do not say, how are you today? They're sick, (sighs) right? We stay, we go, we pray real quick, we leave, and she texts and she says, thank you so much. The same thing, um, Susan Couture, uh, Susan and Rob, I love them, they're part of our church. Susan had a stroke. She's at a French hospital, not French, at a Royal Grande hospital in the rehab center getting rehabilitation. And she says, come pray. And I said, are you, are you sure? You know, hospitals are hard. She goes, come pray. Susan, of course, somehow, even after a stroke, it looks spectacular. I don't know how she does it, <laughs> but there it is. There's just some people that are that amazing, right? Um, but re- in reality, she's been in the hospital for three weeks. She's not the way that she wants to look. She's in no way tidy, but she's desperate for just to get prayer. And so we come and get prayer. Um, and I, I come and pray for Susan. And it just so happens that the nurse and the doctor and her roommate and another nurse are all in the, in the, the room at the same time. And I walk in and Susan goes, oh, pastor, come pray. And everybody's like, um... <laughs> Usually that's the moment where they say, pastor, don't come in here now. But Susan's like, come, pastor, come pray. So I start praying for Susan and the nurse and the doctor there start tearing up. And then the roommate starts crying and she's like, I haven't been to church in 20 years. Can you please pray for me? So I'm starting to pray for her. When you ask for prayer, you're inviting other peoples into your need. Number one, you're not isolated. But also, you're not the only one who gets blessed. Jesus wants us connected to him and to each other. And it's not just about us. It's about what God does in those interactions. Verse 15, James says this, the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well and the Lord will raise them up. If they've sinned, they will be forgiven. Look, prayer works. Now, do not read this and think, if my prayer hasn't been answered, I don't have enough faith. That's not how you read this verse at all. Churches have (laughs) abused the snot out of this verse. That's why no one likes the book of James. That's not true, okay? Sometimes, prayer, you can have all the faith in the world. Oh, let's see here. Hmm. How about Jesus? Does he have enough faith? And he's falling on his knees in the Garden of Gethsemane, and what does he say? Father, take this cup from me. Does he have enough faith in that moment to pray the prayer? You bet he does. And what's God's answer? No. Look, prayers works. Sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes the answer is not yet. Sometimes the answer is no. You're not God. And I know, I know. You're like, how could God say no to healing my kid? Or how could God say no to healing my wife or my husband? Or how could God say no to making this hot mess sort out? And I don't know the answers to that because I'm not God. But... I, I've been in plenty of hospital rooms. I remember I was a hospital chaplain in Philadelphia. Imagine me with a goatee because shaved, I look 14, (laughs) okay? I have a very round head like bowling ball, okay? So I'm 32 years old. I look like I'm six. Right, So I have to wear like a jacket and grow a goatee because I can barely, I can't even grow a beard at that point. I started puberty when I was 29. <laughs> uh, and so, so, so I'm, I'm in Philadelphia and I'm in an inner city uh, hospital and I'm in the cardiac intensive care unit and there's this amazing uh, older black woman and she requested a pastor and she got me. <laughs> uh, so... I mean, that was an act of faith. It'd be like, oh, what, is this the JV leagues? When I walked in the door. So I walk in, she says, Pastor, I need you to pray for me. I'm like, okay, what's going on? I'm like, clearly you're in the cardiac intensive care unit. Is it your heart? And um, she says it is. And I said, okay, so how can we pray? And she goes, I just need it to get back into rhythm so I can go home and take care of my families. And I'm like, okay. And so I hold her hand and I say, Jesus Please heal this saint's heart. She loves you and she wants to be healed. And all of a sudden, the monitors go crazy and doctors rush in and they yell at me, what did you do? And I'm like, I still am holding her hand. I'm like, I said, Jesus, please help heal her heart. I was week two on the job, right? And like, did I like, did I like step on the cord and now she's going to die? Like, that's what I thought. And they're like, I said, like, did I do something wrong? They're like, no, no, no. And she's like, what is it? And they're like, this doesn't make any sense. All of a sudden, you were out of sinus rhythm in your heart, and now you're back in. Over the next 24 hours, they did all sorts of tests on her, and then they begrudging her, let her go because she didn't need the surgery they thought they did. Why? Because her heart was healed. In the past three years of our church, we've seen more physical healings than ever before simply because people are asking for prayer. Literal bones have been mended, diseases healed, tumors shrunk, pain removed. The list goes on. I mean, dead people literally raised back to life. Go ask Daniel. But as James said, healing needs to happen on the soul level too. Look, when my sin is hidden in the darkness, it turns into a monster brought out into the light. It is shrunk and destroyed. James learned a lot from his adopted brother, John. Remember that moment on the cross? When John, the only kid in the youth group, is there, he's with Mary, Jesus' his mom, and Jesus looks at Mary and says, here's your son, John, here's your new mom. Remember that moment? So John's like in the family, right? It's Christmas time. He's like, great, who do I have to buy gifts for? Well, there's this guy named James. He's my new brother. And as they grew up together and did faith together, John rubbed off on James. And John says in his letters, if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. In other words, John was all about darkness and light. Bring that which is in the darkness out to the light. And James picks up on that here. So this last week, I'm talking with my counselor and I've been holding on to something pretty ugly in my life for, I don't know, two plus decades. And I don't know what to call it. Revenge, vengeance, I don't know what to call it exactly, but I do know what it does. And basically what it is is this. When someone has hurt me, I will forgive them and I will let go of the anger, but I still want them to experience the pain that I've experienced. I still want them to experience the pain that I've experienced. I've told you story the story before. Lawyer is having an affair. His wife is on dialysis treatment. She's gonna need a kidney transplant. Um, lawyer says, I'll pay for it, I'll pay for your insurance, I won't divorce you and leave you destitute, but my girlfriend's gonna move in. Wife, about life about to be destroyed. This is on a Friday. She prays with my buddy Jay, who's a pastor at her church. Monday, she's going to sign the paperwork. She basically has to give up her dignity, her life, all finances, any kind of divorce settlement, so that she can have medical care and live. That was the predicament that it is. Don't marry a lawyer like that. Not that lawyers are bad, just that one was bad. And almost everyone that I've ever met, except a couple that go to this church. <laughs> um, so, anyways, 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 that's not the point of the story. So, anyways, so Jay and her get together, my friend Pastor Jay and her get together, and what do they pray? They pray, Lord, just change his heart. Sunday, he's playing intramural soccer with his girlfriend, soon-to-be new wife, and he drops dead of a heart attack. He, God changed his heart. <laughs> right? And when, when I hear that story, I think, yes! <laughs> I get so happy when I hear that. Why? Because I want everybody to pay who's hurt me. That's so ugly. It's so terribly ugly, that thing in me. I don't know if you've been there or you're there right now, but it's an awful feeling to make others want to pay. Like, I don't want to pay for all the hurt I've caused. What an awful world to live in that would be. Say, here's me, a guy who preaches on forgiveness and trusting God every week, and I'm holding on to this really ugly thing that's in me. And I get why. I've never been able to tell anybody that. I've never had the courage to say that sometimes I just wish that people would, like, go to Jesus. (laughs) It's hard to say that, that my wife or my friends or that... People in the church have hurt me, but they have. And in the darkness, that hurt grew into a monster in me. So this week, I got to confess my sins to my elder Gene and to my buddy Kurt, our pastor. And I got my friends, and I got words of life spoken over me and love spoken over me, and the shame lifted and the fear lifted, and the worthlessness lifted. And I'm telling it to you now. Because we need to be connected to each other. Like healing didn't just stop with me though. As I shared what was going on in my life, you know what else happened? Other people felt like, oh, well now I can share too. And isolation began to end and people began to connect to each other. Now, I can have the courage to share with you what's happening, and I'm not slandering or gossiping. I'm not telling you all the gory TDLs about how I was hurt and why those people should burn. No. <laughs> Look, you can pull the monster out of the darkness and talk about it, that monster that's been feasting on you, and find peace without destroying other people. Does that make sense? Yes. Because Jesus is way bigger and way stronger than that monster within you. And Jesus is going to restore your heart. It's going to take time. It doesn't happen overnight. And he'll help you take back all the joy and the faith and the love that's been eaten away by that thing inside of you. And so that's why James says, after saying the same thing four different times in two verses, he says it yet again. Read with me. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective." Why does he say it again? Because the first thing that you say is, thank God Andy's sharing, now I don't have to. (laughs) The first thing that we read is, I wish other people would be vulnerable, but we never apply it to ourselves. And James, like, it's for you. Hello, it's for you. Not for them, not for them, not for for you. That's what James is saying. Take it seriously. Take it seriously. Ask for help. Ask people to pray for you. Confess your sins to each other. Give prayer. You will get healing. That doesn't mean that all the pain is gone in one instant or all the healing happens with one prayer. Rarely have I seen that happen. On occasion I have, but rarely. Usually God wants us invested in the long term because he wants us to become the kind of person that does this to end isolation so we have influence with the people around us. Sometimes the hurt takes years to pray through, but I'd much rather do that with someone like you who cares about me than try and figure out how to get unlost by myself. What does James say next? This is so annoying. Read it. The prayer of a... Wait, wait, go back. What does he say last sentence? The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective, and most of us think, well, that's not me. <laughs> So what does that mean? Like if you're really, really good and haven't sinned in the last 18 minutes, then prayer works? Like you better get all your prayers done before you leave the sanctuary, before you go mess up out there? Is that what James is saying? No. Do you ever feel like you've messed up so bad that your prayers don't even get past the ceiling? They just sort of bounce off and then lay like impotent on the bed and they're like, oh, well, that didn't even get through. It's not what James is saying. Read this with me. Righteousness is your right standing with God. Jesus has made you righteous by his work on the cross. Was it your righteousness? No. Was it your work? No. It's his work. The only only righteousness required, the only requirement of you, oh boy, I messed that sentence (laughs) up. The only requirement for your righteousness is your honesty before God. To tell them of your great need That's it Amen. That's it Can you do that Can we say Jesus I need you yes. Say it out loud Jesus I, Jesus I need you You are righteous No 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 I'm telling you <laughs> you, 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 you are righteous What he's done Because of what he's done that's why in Galatians, it doesn't say that the fruit of your sweat and, and hard work is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's the fruit of, of God himself living in you and doing that in you. So what is James saying? Well, James is saying this. A righteous person knows they are in need of forgiveness and mercy, and a righteous, righteous person isn't arrogant but humble. A righteous person isn't perfect, but courageous enough to share their faults and their needs with their friend and find forgiveness and healing. You remember that scene, of Finding Nemo, when they go into the, um, in, in, into the water current, right? You remember this? If you've not watched Finding Nemo, it, go watch it. It only came out like 78 years ago. Good Lord. <laughs> There's this amazing moment where they're with the turtles, and they're all traveling on this undersea current, which is true, but there's massive currents under the ocean that literally just travel. You can go, you know, if you catch it, it'll take you. And they're moving great distances with little effort. And do you remember what, uh, what the, the dad and Crush, the turtle, do you remember what they say as they're going through, and they're going basically through this incredible ride through this current? Do you remember what they say? Righteous! Righteous! It's a, it's a hilarious moment. Why? Why are they saying that? Here's why. Are you ready? Read this with me. A righteous person knows they are carried by Jesus through the good times and the bad. A righteous person holds on to Jesus and his joy because that's where our strength is found. A righteous person prays with faith, trusting Jesus to do what he wants so that no matter what happens our hope still remains with Jesus. Amen? Amen? So then James gives this ridiculous example of what this looks like in our everyday life. Ready? Elijah was a human being. Elijah, by the way, is like all-star Jew, right? He's in like Hall of Fame Bible, right? Like he is the prophet that did all this crazy stuff. People got resurrected, right? Amazing. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And read it. It did not rain on the land for three and a half years. There's somebody in California praying. (laughs) I hate it, right? Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. So what's the point? Elijah trusted God. Elijah asked God, God, how do I pray? And what did God say? Pray every day for rain not to happen for three and a half years, and then pray every day for rain to happen. And what happened? Exactly that. Here's here's what James is trying to say. Elijah isn't closer to God than you are. In fact, right now, you are closer to Jesus and to your heavenly father than Elijah ever was because you have the Holy Spirit within you. What does this mean? It's really simple. Ready? Ask Jesus how to pray for your family member or friend that is hurting or lost, and Jesus will tell you, And when they reach out for you to come to their side, ask Jesus how to pray, and you'll get the nudge or the images or the words to say. So it's not just that James is saying, hey, look, um, tell each other your needs. It's James is also saying, you have incredible gifts and power within you, and all you got to do is ask God, how do I pray for this person right now? And he'll tell you. Prayer isn't magic, okay? That was a joke for the announcement video. Debbie can't shoot lightning out of her hands, okay, that I know of, right? Prayer isn't magic. It's not saying perfect words in perfect order, and then you get the outcome that you want. It's you talking to Jesus. It's you talking to Jesus. And out of the darkness, when the darkness comes up into the light, it's dealt with. Amen? Amen. And here's what James is saying. Jesus is at work in every detail of your life, just like we read in every miraculous story of the Bible. Okay, last verse of James. Are you ready? Here we go. Let's close it out. Read it with me. Real loud. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death. And cover over a multitude of sins. Oh, man. Oh, man. And here's the thing about it. So let's say we're talking to each other. We're saying, I'm struggling. I'm in need. And you're there and you're listening to your friend, right? And a friend says something like crazy, like, oh, I don't think God loves me anymore. Your job is not to be a therapist and go, oh, yeah, you should pursue that feeling. (laughs) No, what's your job? Say, that's not true. God loves you. When you see that red flag in those conversations that you're having with your friends and you see that they are saying things that don't make any sense according to who they are and whose they are in Christ, speak the truth to them in love. I have been saved from so much death and disaster because I have friends that aren't impressed that I'm a pastor. (laughs) And they say, bro, you are way off. Please. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Nope. That's what... Oh, really? You just preached on this last week. Did you not listen to your own sermon? (laughs) The more I practice confessing my sins to another person, the less defensive I will get when they say to me, you're a sinner. (laughs) See how that works? But if you never confess your sins to one another when someone has the courage to actually follow what Scripture says and say, darling, you're way off. You'll go. <laughs> because you're the monster in the darkness doesn't want to become come out into the light. But if you've practiced being vulnerable and confessing what's going on and laying down the illusion of your perfection and your performance and just being honest and letting your yes be your yes, then you'll, be, you'll get healed. And there's one thing that can get in the way. One thing. Here's what it is. If you've practiced faking it by saying, I swear to God, I'll do it. I promise. That's why James starts the whole passage with that verse. Just let your yes be your yes. If you've practiced performing your faith, you've never actually done it. You've just talked about it in flowery words, but there's been no action there. And so James says, let your yes be yes. If you really believe that you are called to confess your sins to one another, then don't promise that you will or intend that you will. That is your inoculation against ever doing it. Just do it. So last slide, uh, Rob. Make the choice. Make the choice to accept your limitations and your struggles. Make the choice to allow God and good friends into your pain and your need, your failures and your issues. You will find healing. You will find connection. Read this with me. You will discover what the kingdom of God is all about. Thank you. Thank you for not running away screaming when I told you all my issues. Do you think less of me? No. I never think less of you when you tell me your stuff. I only think more of you. That's what God is doing in this place. And I want to say yes and amen to all that you're doing, and I want to say more Jesus more. Amen? Yes. Now would you stand for the benediction? Lord Jesus, bless and seal all these good things in the hearts of my friends here today. Amen? Amen. Before the benediction, I need to tell you something. Denise is here with Baby December. Now, we have a policy in our church, which is that you can touch, or sorry, you can look for free. If you touch, it costs you $500, and you have to have cash on you right then and there. So look for free. No touch unless you got money, eh, okay? So let's pray. Lord Jesus, bless and seal all these good things in uh, the hearts of my friends. Lord, thank you for the worship team that is behind me. If you want prayer, Lord, if people want prayer, may they come forward now. Bless baby December and Denise and, uh, and Zed. Bless Kathy. Heal her body and bless all that you've done in our hearts today. We love you, Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Go in peace. Have a great day, friend.
0: Pastor Andy Rock is the senior pastor of Coastal Community Church. It's located in Grover Beach, California, and serves communities across the Central Coast. Join us online each week on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. for our weekly live stream. We also have two in-person services at 9 a.m. and 1040 a.m. in our sanctuary. Coastal Community Church is located at 1830 Ferrell Road, Grover Beach, California. For more information, visit our website, www.mycoastal.org. Thanks for joining us, and I hope you have a great week.